0: everybody. I am Peter Travers. This is Popcorn, where we tell you what's happening at the movies, what's happening in TV, what's happening in music, what's happening on stage and Broadway. And my guest today, the incandescent Beanie Feldstein, is doing things in all those areas. She just won't stop. I don't know what's left, really. You've covered every base in the world. Right now, everybody's in the middle of watching you as Monica Lewinsky in American Crime Story Impeachment. I just saw you in the humans, which they have to wait for till next month to see, but a wonderful movie in which you are again, brilliant. Then we hear talk of funny girl on Broadway. Let's not, let's talk about doing, going and following hello, Dolly with the Mount Everest of, <laughs> of theater roles as Fanny Bryce in this. So um I guess it's just something, everything is going the right way for you.
1: Knock knock on all of the wood everywhere. Um, I'm profoundly grateful and insanely lucky. And um, as someone who grew up just deeply in love with musical theater, and my, my one goal my entire life was to, to be on Broadway. That was all I ever hoped for, all I ever dreamed for. And so when I did Hello, Dolly, I, I just, it felt like my dreams were literally coming true and to be amongst the Divine Miss M and David Hyde Pierce and Kate Baldwin and Gavin Creel and Taylor Trench, these just remarkable, remarkable, incredible titans of musical theater. And and then now to, to go back to the theater and to be playing a role that I've, I've literally dreamt of playing since I could make words and communicate to my mom. Make I
0: make words, yeah. <laughs> Funny girl. Really
1: like, and I had nodules on my vocal cords as a kid, so I'd be like funny Girl," like that's what I sounded like. <laughs> when I was a little baby, my my mom played it for me when I was two years old. She loves musicals. She is a Jew from Brooklyn, so she loves Barbara Streisand, and mm-hmm. um, she played it for me, and I became like, all day. Once you see it, you it's an obsession, and so I grew up just um, idolizing both Fanny Bryce and Barbara Streisand, and. So for this to be happening, it's just completely the most surreal thing to, have, to ever happen. I saw a
0: photograph of you. What was it? Your four-year-old, four-year-old birthday party where you're basically dressed for three. <laughs>
1: Great. Weird kid, I'm telling you. I was just, I was a unique kid. My my wants and my hobbies were very singularly focused on <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, my, I asked for my third birthday to if I could go with Fanny Bryce to my third birthday party.
0: I hope you sent it to Barbara Streisand.
1: You know, when I was three, someone got that photo to Barbara, and she she signed it, so she's seen it, you know, in another context many years ago. <laughs> um, but it's it's just sort of the the biggest, most I thought Monica would be, um, and in many ways, Monica is the most challenging. Um, deeply, I feel like a profound sense of responsibility playing Monica Lewinsky, but there's a um, totally different sense of responsibility when you're playing Fanny Briggs. So.
0: Yeah, during the period you're playing Monica, I don't think it was a time where anybody was bursting into song.
1: Monica does love musicals. So that's something that we share. We have um, we have slightly different musical theater taste. She's more of a, a Les Mis, Rent kind of girl and I'm more of a sometime kind of girl, but we both are, Armies musical theater fans, and and she loves
0: musicals, so. What I think is really significant, uh, in addition to what a great performance you're giving in it, is that we're watching a woman who didn't have a voice, that the the government said, okay, here's the deal. Uh, We're going to threaten you. We'll put you in jail. We'll make your life miserable. But you have to shut up. The worst thing. And you can't watch... Uh, this whole impeachment series without feeling that if only Monica had lived uh, and experienced that today in the Me Too movement and what happened, that they wouldn't have gotten away with this crap.
1: I completely agree with everything you said. I think Monica was, was she was actively and literally silenced by the Office of Independent Counsel when they created her immunity deal. Part of it was that she was not permitted to speak publicly about what was happening. So she was never permitted to, exactly as you said, have her own voice. You know, I really see her, um, in the 90s, she was sort of a meal for society and the media to feast upon and just sort of rip to shreds. And it was all about what she was wearing, her size, the way she sounded, um, her upbringing, but none of it was told from her voice, from her vantage point, from her point of view. And so um, Impeachment, American Crime Story, the show was really trying to peel back the curtain, not just on Monica, but also on Linda Tripp and Paula Jones and all of the women at the center of this story and, and give their humanity back to society and to the media and, and to reframe the story in a very different light.
0: It's interesting to me because I kept thinking, watching you play what Monica was going through uh, when you did this movie, I love that uh, is already back so far in your career. It's like two years old, you know, how to build a girl where you're just this evil queen of rock journalists who learned basically to become successful by showing no empathy, by saying, here's how I'm going to make it on the backs of everybody else. And yet you seem the most empathetic of people.
1: Oh, well, that's very kind of you. I think that I am very much that way myself as Beanie. Like I am a, a very much an empath and I'm a sponge of other people's mm-hmm. feelings. I, I want everyone to feel good as much as they can in this world. That is something that I really hope to, to put out. And, you know, I think coming to this moment of playing Monica Lewinsky, society painted her through a very specific lens that was anti-semitic and fat phobic and misogynistic and all of these things. And, so many people still see her that way. And so, you know, I actually had a woman come up to me before we started filming. So it was, it was before COVID, um, but when the show had already been announced and she was like, I don't mean to bother you, but I, I read that you're playing Monica Lewinsky. And I just, I just want to tell you, I am so ashamed of the thoughts that I thought about Monica, even inside my own head, not out loud to anyone else. I can't believe The narrative that, I let this narrative that was being fed in the media affect my own thoughts and opinions of her. And I really hate myself for what I thought of her in the 90s when this was all happening. And I'm embarrassed. And I just, I wish I could tell her that, but I'm telling you because you're her, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was meaningful to me. And I think, you know, she had sort of already done the work that I think a lot of people have not done. And we hope that The show will help them on that journey of of really analyzing what ideology was fed to them at the time, because there's so many people that just, they have no idea what she went through. They see her as the Star Report. They see her as, you know, um, an SNL character or the Tubby Temptress, which is what they called her in the papers back then. And they don't see her as a 24-year-old woman who's just trying, who's basically a ping-pong ball between Bill Clinton and Linda Tripp just being passed back and forth by these people double her age that have a lot more power than her.
0: When this happened, you were probably still in the crib somewhere. So you didn't know that any any of this was happening. But you had Monica there as a producer, as a consultant, as somebody that you could talk to about what it was. And that had to be a, a tremendous experience to have that.
1: For the first seven months of our shoot, Monica and I could never be in person together because of COVID. But we were always in contact over Zoom and FaceTime, and this app called Marco Polo, where you can send videos back and forth to one another. Oh right, yeah. And text. So um, there would be times where she would send me Marco Polo, and then I would go to respond, but I'd be dressed as her in the wig, and I was like, maybe I should wait till I'm <laughs> till I'm out of the wig. Um, you know, <laughs> figure out too much, but. You know, in all seriousness, I I knew I was almost a blank slate for what happened during this time. I knew just the bare minimum, and I think that's a really beautiful perspective to approach it from. Because again, I didn't have to undo all of these preconceived notions. I was almost a blank slate, mm-hmm. but at the same time, she's the subject of our show. In addition to being the producer, and I didn't want to make her relive any of this, which was pure trauma for her. So I didn't wanna make her rehash all of these deeply traumatic moments if I didn't have to. So I did all the research I could before I even met her to make sure that I was armed and prepared with everything I wanted to know. And then it was really just getting to know her as a person and for her to know me so that she could develop this trust with me because I really wanted her to know that her story was safe with me and that her personhood was safe with me. And that really mattered to me. So I remember right before we started filming, I was having all of these feelings towards her and I couldn't put them into words. And then finally I was like, I'm your bodyguard. And that was sort of the closest way I could just. And I was like, I'm gonna put my body in front of yours. I'm gonna protect you. I'm gonna take on all of this hurt and this suffering and this, um, you know, all of it that she had to go through at the time. And I will protect everything you were feeling. I will protect who you are, and that means including your faults and your mistakes, because if you don't include that stuff, it's not a human portrait, it's just a one-sided. It wouldn't
0: be, you know, because we see her almost crushing naivete, you know? She's, <laughs> she has, like, uh, we're feeling sorry, but at the same time, we're saying, get out of there, you oh, know?
1: I'm looking <laughs> at the screen myself, like, don't yeah. do it. don't, do, you know, like, you know, but to Monica's credit, she was really, um, she really wanted all of that stuff to be in there, you know, moments that are very vulnerable for her, moments that are embarrassing for her. She wanted that to be in there because she, as a producer, wanted the most human portrait of the story, which if you only show people's good, it's it's just it's one note. You know, the note is a good note, but it is still And they one.
0: won't believe it.
1: Exactly. And then people yeah. won't believe it. Yeah. The credibility of the storytelling and to create the most honest portrait of herself, she included all of these moments. Um, then I'm sure now in her forties, she wishes, you know, like she wishes she could go back and change, but she can't. And so she was like, it's your job to portray them as honestly and as openly as you can.
0: What did you learn about Monica from doing this? Not before you did it, not your preparation, but after actually doing it, something you didn't expect to learn. Yeah.
1: I think the thing that I feel most of all is how profoundly misunderstood she was, and how brave she is. I think she's an incredibly brave woman. You know, both Linda Tripp and Paula Jones got plastic surgery after this happened. Linda got married and I think most, I think used her married name most of the time. You know, Monica, everywhere she goes is Monica Lewinsky. And she looks exactly, I mean, she. stunning. She's aged so beautifully. Sarah Paulson and I are always like staring at her like your skin is amazing. But (coughs) everywhere she goes is Monica Pinsky. and then and now I think she's one of the most deeply brave women I've ever known or studied or portrayed because the courage that she exemplified during that time and all through the world learning her name getting questioned 23 times by the Office of Independent Counsel about what happened between her and Bill Clinton, specifically an entire entire deposition focused on their sexual interactions, the world knowing her name, all through now, through her TED talk and through producing the show, she's just a remarkably brave, courageous woman. And I think that is not, That is the narrative. It's not a narrative that is ever fed about her.
0: You know, this to me, what you're doing is a great performance. I'm not the only one who thinks that. I I think if we held the Emmys today, you'd be holding one because that's it. And it's a tribute to you, but it's a tribute to Monica and what she went through in life too. You're both two Jewish girls from LA.
1: We're, I always say we're cut from the same cloth. We're two Jewish girls from L.A. that listen to show tunes on the treadmill. Like, that's a specific type thing. What could of- be
0: better, actually? That, that's, to me, sounds like paradise. Yeah. Why not do that? But these are all major steps happening in your life now. We talked a little bit before we went on camera about my seeing the humans, which is the next thing we'll see with you, which is uh, adapted from Stephen Karam's play by him, by the playwright, by... The guy that wrote it, and it's about an Irish Catholic family, <laughs> really, <laughs> and living and, and having Thanksgiving dinner, and on um, and finding the world outside, the noises, the clanging, everything else happening. It, it has humor, but it also is a little scary about the world that we live in now.
1: It, it really, um, I was lucky enough to see the play on Broadway, and it left such a profound impact on me. But it is a... Family drama about a family on Thanksgiving, which I think we all can relate to, but it's also very existential, and it's um, sort of a thriller on an existential level. I would say, if if you would agree, I think it it um it's a family drama with a real thriller undertone, and I think the cinematic version of the experience, you know, is amplified even more because what they can do with brilliant sound design and and um, cinematography, oh, yeah. um, you feel very anxious the whole time that you're watching it and you don't quite know. Yeah, I'm still that.
0: feeling it. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know. but your character, Bridget, she does something that I, I noticed particularly in the movie and how you play her because your boyfriend, uh, again, has got this little video thing going where he's putting in a kind of video fireplace to just warm up this, Place in Chinatown that isn't good, and you're not having any of it. It's like, no, no, I'm gonna live in the real world while a lot of the other characters are retreating from that because it's too painful to live in that world.
1: But she's a tough cookie, she's
0: As a she tough cookie, she is
1: stubborn, and she's um, she thinks she's in, she's all knowing and she's she's incredibly grounded and sort of rooted too rooted, like she is unwilling to bend some of the time.
0: Yeah.
1: It was such an incredible journey for me because so many of the other characters I've played in the past have led with sort of um, a sweetness or a gentleness, Um, but with Bridget, it was sort of every part of me as weenie that is just, ask any of my friends, they always say I'm like the opposite of a sour patch kid. Like, I'm first I'm sweet, then I'm sour. Like I I lead with this sort of, Sweetness, but when I want what I want, I need to get it. And so it was kind of delicious to lean into that side of me with Bridget. And it was, it was remarkable for me as an actor to get to stand toe to toe with both Richard Jenkins and Jane Howdy Shell because with Bridget and her parents, she really, they're tough on one another, both ways. I think her father is incredibly tough on her. He doesn't agree with her lifestyle choices. He doesn't like this new apartment that they've just moved into, which is the setting for the film. He doesn't like that she's living downtown in New York post 9-11 and there's so much going on. And then with Jane Howdychelle's character, there's, um, I think specifically because of Jane and I, there's a a lot of body discussion. There's a lot of discussion of the two of them talking about their weight and food and and it's a really contentious sort of feeling between the two of them. And there's a lot of that and it, it gets very emotional and very deep.
0: Well, it would have to. I mean, it, it that's something that you think about in your own life, I mean, or can you put that completely out of your head? Because the great thing about the characters you played to me is that they're not based on your weight, your height, who, where you came from. There, there's a humanity in all of them, which is what's exciting about watching you go through this career and do it.
1: Oh, with my characters. Yeah, you know, thank you. I think like um, I'm someone that is really always been very comfortable with my body and never actively, even as a child, never um, permitted other people to kind of pigeonhole me because of the way that I looked or the way that I sounded or something like that. I remember growing up, I was a, a little chubby girl who did musicals. And so people would often ask me, have you ever played Tracy Turnblad? And oh, right.
0: Sure. The only role. There you there it's
1: it very frustrating question for me because as much Here, as
0: I... Right. That's it. You can only play that.
1: Don't get me wrong. I love this way, but I was like, why is that the only role
0: Yeah.
1: I've ever played? So to answer your question, like in my, in my working life, I have tried to be very specific about the roles that I take and not... Um, Take roles that are defined by their exterior, but are more roles that are interior, you know, very rich interior life and the exterior is just whatever it happens to be.
0: You're doing that. You're you I mean, everything is funny girl yeah. happens on Broadway, Barbara Streisand will be there opening night. It will all be great. I'd like to go out. I'd like to I do this with every interview I do here on this show. We do a little of song and I don't know what it is. I'm sure Funny Girl's off limits now because it's coming up and I can't even get you to do uh, Who Are You Now, which is my favorite song. Nobody knows from Funny Girl. But you can do any little thing that you have in your head just to end us in song.
1: Ooh, what do I do?
0: Oh, I can make so many demands. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I won't. You know, I won't.
1: Oh, God, this is so hard to choose. It's like all the songs are running through my all head. All I can
0: think of when I'm looking at you now is all oh, well bred, agree, Mini Faye has pedigree. Duck, duck, you know, yeah.
1: not elegance. If you ain't got elegance, you can never, ever carry it off.
0: <laughs> well, Beanie, you're carrying it off. And oh. I never even got to ask you where you got the name Beanie from. But
1: I... next time, <laughs> next I'll time, take
0: we'll do it next time. Thank you so much, you're a total delight.
1: Thank you so much, you too, it's such a pleasure to meet over Zoom.